Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of 3 Sports Rankers, the new sports podcast where we award bronze, silver and gold across a range of topics in the ultimate sporting medal ceremony. I'm Sam Barker, I'm hosting Episode 1 and I'm joined by Rob Schofield and Callum Scotland. Great week, radio voice, Sam. It's, it's awful, I'm a it? big fan of your radio voice. I've not heard it for five years since we last did a podcast together. It's so before. rusty, it sounds so bizarre. I think I might have lost mine. We'll see when when Callum's episode comes along. Sam, it's your topic this week. It isn't is. It? it is. We are uh, we're going to be doing this week episode one. We thought we'd keep it nice and broad. We're doing best sporting moments of the twenty first century. Nineteen years worth of material you've got to uh, trawl through. How did you find this one, Callum? Tough. tough. Really tough. I had, I think I had a short list of sort of twelve or thirteen the lot moments that I could that I could feasibly have picked from. Admittedly, for me, a lot of them were football related I, I had to be I had to remember to be non-biased as yeah. well yeah. which was incredibly difficult because I'm <laughs> the most partisan sports follower in the world so uh, I think I've done I think I've done an all right job but that's up to you to decide yeah a lot to choose from I think one thing that really helped me narrow it down was I had to go for moments I know it, it's in the title but I had to go for genuine moments not matches not games you know not achievements proper moments of the 21st century sports-wise. So that's what I've built mine around. No, you know, as much as you could go Super Saturday London 2012 or Super Bowl 51. Super Bowl 51 was the Falcons. Falcons Patriots. Uh, Falcons Patriots throwing away a a 28-3 lead. Yeah, that was decent. But yeah, absolutely greatest 21st century sporting moments. Well, Rob's already looking like he's got a head start. He's He's got it locked in on the moments. I think the moments part is key and that was what I was thinking of when I came up with this topic. Now, little run through of how the show's going to work. So I'm obviously hosting this week. Um, my two guys here, Rob and Callum, they've got their list. They've got their top three. They've given their gold, silver and bronze. They've put them in the podiums. And we're going to go through one by one. I'm going to ask you each for your bronze, then for your silver, then for your gold. And then when it comes to the end, I'm going to match them off against each other to create my podium from your answers. So I'm going to pair your two bronzes, your two silvers, your two golds, and we'll have, we'll have got our podium. You know, I might disagree with all of your choices and think it's a horrible podium at the end, but we will have a podium. And that is the key point. So I think we just get straight into it then. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Right. I'm going to start with Callum, I think. I want Callum's bronze. But what I want you to remember, Callum, is there's 19 years worth of sporting material here. So if West Ham's playoff final comes up, we're going to have a major falling out. Which one? We've, we've won two this this century. So uh, oh God, if both of them come up, we're, re- <laughs> we're just going to cancel the podcast there. Bobby Zamora against Preston, Cardiff. Go yes, for it. Um, no, my bronze is going to one that's already been mentioned by Rob and uh, shot down. Super Saturday 2012. You're going for it. Okay, I fair am. enough. Um, because it was the culmination. People forget that there were actually six gold medals won by Team GB that day. Um, it wasn't just Rutherford, Ennis and Farrah. There was the Coxless Fours, the uh, long-standing tradition of GB winning the men's Coxless Fours. Good sitting down sport. Lightweight double skulls. Uh, gold in the velodrome. We'll take that as well, as usual. And, uh, and then three golds in 46 minutes at the Olympic Stadium. Jess Ennis, Greg Rutherford, Mo Farrah in the 10,000 metres, capping it all off. And I think the, the reason I've gone for that one is because of the, the feeling at the end of it. You know, when, when Mo crossed the is line... Is that was, your moment, kind of thing? That's yeah, that's, the, that's the moment, but everything in that day leading up to it 
the feeling of Mo Farah crossing the line and almost uniting a nation wouldn't have happened without what had gone before. Yeah, I think that's fair. You um, know, maybe I've undersold it at the opening. I know when I was whittling it down, I was trying to, I was trying to give myself a reason to start chucking things out the window because I had too many. But, you know, you're right because I think when it all came together, it was almost at the close, wasn't it, of that day. I remember being at home watching it and I was just thinking, I've never experienced anything like this. I think that's the key, isn't it, with, a, with something like this is when you look back on it, it's something you remember exactly where you were. I remember where I was. I was sitting on my dad's ugly sofa watching it and it was just amazing I mean it was when I look back at the 2012 Olympics that was the defining moment and I know like you said Rob it wasn't a particular just Mo Farah crossing the line it was just Jess winning it wasn't a click of the fingers moment it was a like I said it was a culmination everything built up to that you you know you had it had been touted as Super Saturday before the Olympics had even begun because there was Ennis Rutherford Farah people were thinking we could do this. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. I think I find Rutherford came out of the woodwork a bit. He did, no a, he did a little really. bit. I think with Jess and Mo, there was very much a feeling that they were the front runner. Jess like, and Mo, close personal friends. Yeah, yeah, no, my, my good pals. Um, First name basis. <laughs> uh, there was really a feeling that they were the front, they were the people to beat. Yeah. Whereas you are right, and I'm really glad that we sort of picked up on him because I think he has become the forgotten man out of the three of them. He's had a pretty decent career off the back of it. He's I don't think he's right. gone forgotten out of it, but I know what you're saying, you know, in I terms think of iconic. if you were to list all three, yes. he would be the third one people would, so, would mention. So, you know, to conclude on Callum's point then, the moment is post Farrah crossing yes. the line, realistically, because it's the, it's the feeling of absolute euphoria that was of that was around in the country at the time. I mean, I I don't know about you two, but the the closest I've felt it since was during the World Cup this year when people thought England were going to get to the final and win. Well, yeah, won a penalty last year, out, sorry, it it's 2019 now, but yeah. I love that. I love that as a starting answer. That is a great start, Rob. What have you got on your bronze? So my moment is very much snap of the fingers. It's it's boot to ball. It's Johnny Wilkinson's drop goal in the 2003 uh, Rugby World Cup. Oh, we're off to a flyer. This it's, one is of ones, it's one of the ones I threw out very late on. Yeah, well, so I think the context again did it for me. 17 all, England against Australia, down under in the World Cup final. Second period of extra time, 19 minutes, 20 seconds on the clock. You know, we're properly at the death. Now, you know, full disclosure, I'm not the biggest rugby fan. But I remember sitting and watching this, you know, I would have been 10 years old. Mum and I, I think, were in the living room and like she went crazy and she and I like have never really ever watched sport together. But that's a very personal memory of mine. And then when I watched it back in, in kind of solidifying my choice, you know, Matt Dawson goes on that run right at the end there to get Wilkinson in range. He knew it. Australia knew it. The whole stadium knew it. Everyone knew that once he went to ground, there was a chance. And I don't know a sporting moment that defined a sport in a country, in this country, whatever you want to say, like that one. It just personified rugby union in this country since. And until something as dramatic as that happens again, which many people, rightly so, don't think it will do, it will continue to personify rugby in this country. Again, the context, the drama of it, they went ahead, England, pegged back ahead, pegged back again. And for England to become the first... Northern Hemisphere team to win a World Cup in that way down under against Australia that's why it's there for me and it it's a proper sporting 
moment in time. I'm not trying to devalue Callum's no, answer, is, but that is kind of where I'm coming from. There is a lot to be said for that, and I, I do think it is a very, very good answer. I think if, we, if we'd extended it from gold, silver, bronze and had like a top five, it definitely would have been in my top five. But the moment, like you say, the boot to ball, I, I, I can still remember Ian Robertson's commentary mm. clear as day in my head. Um, but like you say, Rob, down under against the Aussies, with his weak foot. That's right. We hadn't yes. even mentioned the audacity. Because to I remember take it hearing Matt Dawson talk about it and saying, I was going to fling it on his good foot, but he'd missed three already. So I just thought I'd and make him look even better. It's the. It was the moment, but also the culmination of England being the best team in the world for the previous 18 months without question. Um, they, were, they won the Six Nations beforehand. I think they won the Grand Slam in 2003. Then they went down under, and there was this feeling that. You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to be this year. And Johnny Wilkinson, weak foot from 35 yards or whatever it was. All of that. And nice. it was the cleanest strike as well. The ball was the ball was pure end mm. over end. There was no deviation on it at all. I think, yeah, I, I remember where we're, I was as We're well. being very diplomatic. I, I'll, I'll turn up the debate slightly and say that I've gone... You know, I've gone full on for the for the moment. I think, and that's what I was aiming for. Yours, yours is very much one you can capture in an image. Yeah, and there are there are brilliant and images. Maybe out there that's of it. what we go with. That's completely your choice. But, but Callum's is more Callum's is more of an em, like, sort of emotive. Moment. That's that's what I've gone with. Mine mine are very emotive because I feel like you can't have a best sporting moment without being able to watch it back and get goosebumps. Mm. If I can watch something back and I get goosebumps at it, that's what I considered as a real sort of major sporting moment. Well, I really like the way we've started this. You're both coming at this from totally different angles, which is making this very interesting. So we're going to skip ahead from bronze. I like your bronzes. We're going to silver. Callum, what for you just pipped Super Saturday? Just pipping Super Saturday was uh, in the same year, I think it was three months later, maybe, uh, the 30th of September, 2012. I know where I was on that date. I was sitting in my room... In Freshers' Week. I was in a bar in Zante. I was in Halls. You, no, you weren't. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I was going to say, why, why were we, yeah, we why all went to university together? Why were you in Zante and he was in his dorm? No. Oh, this is not what I think I was is. in my room in Halls and it was the miracle at Medina. Oh, oh you've thrown me off. That is that is a good answer. I thought we were going for, for Andy Murray's US Open. It was rogue, but that's where I thought you were going. That's a tennis answer, Sam. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> doing tennis answers. Time for that. <laughs> I'm leaving them to you. No, the miracle at Medina uh, in Illinois, USA. Team Europe coming from 10-4. They were 10-4 down at one point in the Saturday afternoon four balls. And then Sunday singles. One of, one of my favourite days of any sporting event ever. Um, Luke Donald, Ian Poulter, Rory McIlroy, Justin Rose, Paul Laurie. First five men out for Europe all win their matches. 10-9. Game on. Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Martin Keimer all win their matches. 13 points. Europe have retained the Ryder Cup. Uh, And then Francesco Molinari's half against Tiger Woods when Woods missed a a putt, conceded it and... uh, you know, Team Europe go mental as is necessary when you win the Ryder Cup on American soil. I'm kind of glad that Callum actually split up like that because it was the real run, wasn't it? It was the run of results. There was no dip. There was no drop-off. There was no point for the USA to get any kind of momentum. And that's kind of... I mean, it had to play out that way, let's be honest. But that's the Ryder Cup, isn't it? I, I can't think of another sport or a team sport that 
maybe it's because it is a sport that is wholly and entirely an individual sport that when it does come together it just creates these incredible moments but yeah it's a tough one uh, to, to fight against that I can't say it made mine again because I've kind of really zeroed in on the moments but it's hard to debate do you know what I that that didn't even cross my mind when I was sort of thinking of my top choices and I don't know why because it is brilliant just you know it I would just, be as soon as you said it I just see Ian Poulter fist pumping like there's no tomorrow always delivers that man unbelievable and it is it's there for greatest you know it's greatest comeback you know if you're talking about comebacks, it's way up there in terms of greatest comebacks of all time. There is there is another another element of it was that the the US team on paper, yeah, infinitely stronger than Europe. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, USA had nobody ranked outside the top twenty five in the world. Europe had five players ranked outside the top twenty five. Each side had four four players inside the world's top ten. So McElroy was number one in the world. I think Europe had three of the world's top five. Um, the US had one of the world's top five Tiger Woods and then four of their other players were in the top ten. I'm thinking 2012, that was... I mean, Ian Poulter feels like someone who just isn't ranked in the top 25 at all. He, he was a lives, captain's choice. Li- there, exactly. He lives but that was moments. That was the other cup. thing that made me choose it was the fact that it was such an emotional time for Team Europe as well because it was the first Ryder Cup since the passing of Seve Ballesteros who was a Ryder Cup legend. He, he was the old guards, Sergio Garcia, you know, turned up and always performed at the yeah. at the Ryder Cup regardless. And one of his best friends and one of his mentees, uh, Jose Maria Lathabal, was the team captain. So, you, you know, you kind of had this camaraderie around the around Team Europe and doing it for Seve was kind of what made them... Uh, the one thing I'd throw back. in there, which, you know, doesn't massively go in favour of, for instance, my bronze choice, but, you know, I'd argue it's World Cup Rugby Union... Because it's golf, does it just slip under the radar a little in terms of general sports fans' appreciation? You know, anyone who's watched it would would get why Cal has chosen it and would understand and appreciate why it's one of the greatest moments, greatest comebacks, whatever you want to call it. But actually, for your general sports fan... I, th- I think it comes back to what we were saying in terms of golf on its own throughout the year is a, is a very... Yeah, it's, it's a sport that, that you either like or you don't watch. But the Ryder Cup has this incredible ability, bringing golfers together, putting them in a team. It is something that your casual fan will actually tune into. Just a very simple example for me. My mum won't watch golf. She doesn't care about golf. She won't watch it any time in the year. Ryder Cup's on. She's glued to that screen for three days. She will watch every moment. And it's for moments like that, moments that you don't get when there's two people knocking about Augusta. It, it, it is the pinnacle of golf, and I think it is probably the one golfing event that can actually really engage with people who aren't golf fans. Do we agree? Well, I'm going to propose something else for my silver choice, and I promise you I'm not appealing to your uh, tennis fandom, uh, but is Andy Murray winning Wimbledon. That's my silver uh, choice. I think I'm going to have for... to concede two points there. <laughs> <laughs> When I th- maybe I'm going a bit kind of national focus on this, but tennis is in Britain. It's so iconic. You know, we own Wimbledon. It doesn't get any more British than strawberries and cream on the lawns at Wimbledon. And for 77 years, every Brit that went into the Wimbledon draw had that on their shoulders. And 
you know, we all heaped hopes on Tim Henman with very faint expectation that they would actually materialise into anything. And then comes along the bad boy of tennis. And I don't know why we're quoting all of our mums all Dan the time. In, in, <laughs> Nick Kyrgios. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but at the time, you know, if we actually fast forward back to before Andy Murray was a national treasure, he was, see, you know, with his bad mouth and his bad temper. You know, again, I don't, like I said, I don't know why we keep referring to our mum's opinions on sports. But I remember mine turning to me saying he'll never do it. He doesn't have the temperament for tennis. And... Tennis does, I don't know whether it's the gentlemanly aspect of it, but there just was that feel that he he wasn't going to live up to his potential. And the tears in 2012 when he lost to Federer in the final won the hearts of the nation completely and utterly because here was somebody who was a grumpy Scot who was seen as boring and now has shown everyone his, you know emotional side and I think that along with the fact that he proved that he'd go and do it at the Olympics when he beat Federer and won gold set everything up for the final itself and to do it in straight sets over Novak Djokovic who was on top of the world in 2013 6-4, 7-5, 6-4 and that nervy final game I'd oh, forgotten, 12, I'd forgotten long, how incredible that final game was 40 love up then break point down three times. Six championship points had gone before he finally got over the line. And this would have been something that he would have thought about his entire tennis life. And he didn't know how to react when he won it. The the hat came off and he just stood there and it was a man purely in the moment. And that is my silver moment where Andy Murray won Wimbledon and he turns to the crowd and he himself doesn't know how to react well, what I love what I love about his celebration is you, you see all the other you think you're Federer and Adele everyone they fall on the floor all that he looked and I think it's very indicative of a kind of person that Murray is first thing he did he turned straight to his box he looked straight at his family his mum his coaches uh, his well girlfriend at the time now wife and he that's where his attention was first because he's such a a family man and he knew that the weight of the entire country was on him. He was out there on his own, but the weight of the entire country was on him and that release and that moment is... I mean, you know, I am slightly biased and Callum alluded to it right at the start of this round. That's why he's looking very grumpy right now. Um, but it, I, it is, I am, I am a grumpy Scott. <laughs> you are a grumpy Scott. For me, when I... And we'll obviously get around to this, but for when I, when I realised it wasn't going to be my gold choice, my first place, it was just a no-brainer. It had that straight away for me because, again, it just, I think, Wimbledon, tennis, Britain, Great Britain, I don't think... I just think it's so high up there in the kind of echelons of 21st century sporting moments. See, that I, I think that's why I didn't consider it because I... As Sam well knows, I'm not a huge fan of tennis by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the way that you remember Andy Murray's win at Wimbledon is similar to the way that I remember the miracle at Medina. Because I'm, I am I would go so far as to say as much a fan of golf as you are, Rob, of tennis. So that that's, I think, very similar... Yeah, it's how you feel very, about that very, moment, very similar reasoning for for choosing what we chose, but very different sports, very different moments. Absolutely, like the personal reaction to all of these is what makes them such important moments for each of you guys individually. And I really like that. And we're going to go to gold now. And Callum, I want to hear 
what you think is the best sporting moment of the last 19 years. Right. The last two answers I've given, my silver and gold, have both been culmination moments. Um, you know, Super Saturday was a day-long situation. The Miracle at Medina, you could argue, was a weekend thing. My number one is, like Rob's bronze, a boot-to-ball situation, and it is the 94th minute at the Etihad Stadium, Aguero's goal to win the Premier League uh, for Manchester City. And just, I, I don't remember where I was that day. I wasn't watching the game, but you cannot look back at that moment and not think that it is just an absolutely incredible spectacle. And you take the context of the game as a whole and the season as a whole, and it all culminates with that one split second of Sergio Aguero breaking through. If you're going to say um, Sergio Aguero, you've got to say it. Say it properly. No, I could never do it justice. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you have that one moment of Balotelli laying the ball off and Aguero, and you, you look at it and you think, this is it, this is make or break. And you know that in that one moment, either Manchester United or Manchester City are going to win the title. And for him to deliver, like he has done for Manchester City so often, number two and three in my list were very much up for grabs. Number one was cemented. As soon as I knew that this was the category. It's my gold as well. It's both of your goals? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It will never, ever happen again. The context, the first Premier League title win, you know, the first league win in 44 years, to take it off United in the way they did, the way they trailed in, in the weeks building up to it, the way they clawed it back. That game had absolutely everything from the Zabaleta goal when all was well and they were going to you know get that Cruise easy win over title, QPR yeah. the goal from Gibraltar Cisse and the, the sudden realisation the tension that they needed another because United were winning against Sunderland at the time Joey Barton playing the, the villain the most forgotten red card in Premier League history oh it's not forgotten <laughs> oh I don't know he tried to take he half tried, the City team with him he certainly tried to take Aguero with him kicks him gets sent off and, you know, what everyone needs to remember as well is that QPR on that day, although they didn't need to win in the end to stay up, they were fighting for their survival as well. So the fact that they went, they went down to 10 men and then Jamie Mackey put them 2-1 up, I just think then, and we won't appreciate this because of our age as much, but my dad's a City fan. And what he always says to me about that moment when Mackey scored was same old City. They always let you down. And some fans left. I feel, I feel like... Yeah. I feel like we can we can appreciate the feeling of same old city, but from our own team's perspective. Yes, um, Rob being a Newcastle fan, me being a West Ham fan. It's I think every I think every club's got a little bit of that in them. But you feel with City, it was the build up only to then let you down. And this is what I'm getting to now because I remember when Jeco scored from the corner, and you know here's a player frustrated as uh, always being the super sub but suddenly he's the one to give them the lifeline with four minutes remaining and I remember Guy Mowbray saying to us once it was actually that that he believed would make it worse because it gave City hope again and that was Manchester City in a nutshell but then for Balotelli to get the assist he got one assist that entire season and it won them the league. Do you know that? I did not know that, no. It was Aguero's first season in English football as well. But the, compo- he- the composure for me, for him, who takes a touch there? <laughs> who takes a touch? <laughs> and then puts it away. To not shoot straight away, I find baffling. And 
a lot of people are talking about this Premier League season and the fight between Manchester City and Liverpool. Will it come down to goal difference? It might. It'll never, ever play out like that ever again. And well, The thing is, it'll never, it'll never be the situation whereby it's cross-City rivals, one of whom's been dominant for 20 years, the other of whom hasn't won the league for nigh on 50. Mm. And then it all comes down to that one moment of boot on ball. It's a moment within a massive contextual yeah. moment as well. And, I was, and a real turning point in Premier League history. And I was preparing to have to debate this. In the end, you know, we don't necessarily have to. And this, you know, for our listeners, this won't happen every week. But the Premier League and the beast that it is now around the world commercially and what City have gone on to be and I think will be in the future, for this to be the start of it all, you can't beat it. It's really interesting hearing the commentators talk about it from Martin Tyler's Aguero moment. Fun fact, actually, another mention for Guy Mowbray. A lot of people think he, because his was similar, a lot of people think he copied Martin Tyler. And whoever doesn't get their head around the fact that they're both commentating live is absolutely beyond <laughs> me. Um, now, I've actually heard Peter Drury as well, you know, World Feed, BT Sport. He went with where does football go from here, which I think is very spot on. You know, it's not like the Premier League has failed to live up to it, but actually it's that realisation that, funnily enough, as Martin Tyler said, you will never see anything like it ever again. And a lot of pure sports fans who, and I know football grinds with a lot of... And, and Sam, you know, you're, you're well, like this, aren't you? I have, to, I have to confess something right now. So I, I wrote out my list of best sporting moments as well. I wrote them all down. I probably had about 15 to start with on my long list. This never crossed my mind once. Not once did it cross my mind. In fact, the only football moment I had... Callum's giving me a very quizzical look. Greece winning the Euros because I love an underdog. You this, also love a Cypriot. I, I, do, love a, I do love a Cypriot um, as well. It, it just, it's, for me, it is an incredible moment. I remember exactly where I was, so it ticks that box as well. When I think best sporting moment, I think more individual sports, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. This just didn't. This just did not cross my mind at all. Well, funnily um, enough, because we've both chosen it. And, and what's annoying now? <laughs> what's annoying now is I'm going to have to give both of you three points for that gold. You yeah. both get three points because you picked the same thing. I, I for me, and this is not just be me personally. I don't think that this brought in casual non-football fans in the same way that, say, the miracle at Medina would bring in casual golf fans. Uh, that. Uh, the Super Saturday would bring in casual athletics fans. That might just be my point of view, but that's 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 what I personally think. I like your case for it. I think you I might still be clouded do. by the fact that you were a Man United fan at the time. Oh no, it's it's, it's no, I don't think he most, is to be. It's fair. the most iconic moment in Premier League history, but I don't think it's you the see, most I iconic think, sporting see, moment. I think, for that I think the fact the fact that it is the most iconic sporting moment in or the most iconic moment in Premier League history makes it the most iconic yeah. moment in the biggest league, in the biggest sport in the world. That's exactly what I was going to say, and you've completely encapsulated it. Because of what the Premier League is now, was even then in 2012, we're not, you know, we're not looking back to 1993 or anything, that for me gives it. But you know, if you're listening to this and you agree with Sam or you agree with Callum and I, let us know, because this is why we're doing this. We feel like we're all coming from a, from a different angle. I believe it does go up and above... You, as a sport, but I guess the one thing that's going to grind Sam is because we've chosen it, he can't have it any other way. I have, I have no choice. So our gold is for is the Aguero goal. That is our, our best bit. 
Um, so I'm going to have to now choose our silver and bronze. I'm just going to run through what my gold moment was. My bronze was Super Saturday. So I'm going to give that point to Callum. Callum gets the point for Super Saturday. But my silver was Johnny Wilkinson, which was your bronze. Are you guys thinking that I've got Andy Murray winning Wimbledon as my gold? Is that? Well, I, I, I honestly, I've when got I was no thinking idea, about this, I didn't think about what you would have. Do you know what? I, I didn't I, think, I like that you both did that. I didn't think about what you would have. But had I thought about what you would have, I wouldn't even have thought twice about it being Aguero being your gold because it's just such a non-question to me. See, I have something that has not been mentioned once on this entire show at my goals. Okay. And that is Berlin 2009. Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. That crossed my mind. Not just the the 100 metre, but also the 200 metre world record. But that 100 metres for me is just... Uh, iconic. I, don't I get think what you. I get that. Bigger, I, I in, get that. 100 meters at the athletics is iconic, but I just think there have been wider, more memorable, significant moments in sport. I'm not saying it's not up there in the top, you know, ten or whatever. But I think there's a reason why neither of us have chosen. Us, it Usain Bolt's had a number of those moments as well. He had the, you know, the arms outstretched in Beijing. He had he had the 100, 200, 4 by one in Berlin and It's Beijing also whether a lot of people would debate that a gold medal is more significant than a world record or the, vice versa. Hey, you got both. True. But ultimately, but in terms of the... Doesn't, my opinion on that doesn't matter because Aguero is our gold. I am going to have to be happy with that. I, I do like the case you both made and it... it it has reinforced the point that I, I overlooked that. Um, but so, in terms of bronze, are you picking Super Saturday over Johnny Wilkinson? I am. Even though you rated it higher personally yourself. Oh, look at Rob I fishing am, for points. I am, and it's because I liked the way Callum looked at it from such an, an emotive moment. You're getting the silver anyway for Andy Murray moment. winning Wimbledon, so I wouldn't worry about yeah. it. And Callum's bang on. You are getting the, uh, <laughs> the points for Andy Murray, although you massively sold me on Miracle at Medina. You ran that It's close, a shame that has to be But my, my personal bias for Andy Murray, unfortunately, comes in with that because he would have been my fourth moment. So the way it is, our sporting podium, our, uh, our bronze is Super Saturday, our silver is Andy Murray winning Wimbledon, and our gold is... Aguero. That's that's what we've settled on as our best 21st century sporting moments. I don't if think you, it's a bad list, to be honest. I think it's a good list. If you think you have a better list, feel free to send it in to us. Send it to us on our Twitter, which is 3 Sports Rankers, or on Instagram if you want as well, which is also 3 Sports Rankers. Now, we are going to look ahead to next week. Now, with this show, one thing that we do is we rotate our hosts around. We give everyone a chance to host. We give everyone a chance to debate their lists and next week is Rob's turn to host so Rob what have you got for us so episode two will be Premier League front men so it doesn't have to be because I almost went number nines but it doesn't have to be number nine did it? they don't have to have a number nine on the back of the shirt but it does have to be Premier League so 1993 onwards again more kind of in our wheelhouse in our memory Uh, a lot to choose from I've come up with my three and, you know, I will nail my black and white uh, colours to the mast. But I should kind of put it out there that I did have a good old think about what I think makes the best Premier League frontman. And I wouldn't necessarily think too much about my allegiances when picking this list because I am very much open to being convinced because I find it very difficult to convince myself. So Premier League frontmen will be episode two. I'll cross off Alexander Mitrovic then. 
Getting rid of him. Oh, Tamuri Ketsbaya's gone. Oh, there we go. Right, thank you very much for listening to the first episode. If you liked us, do please, I say, follow us across social media. And uh, until next time, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>